0: Hi, friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with
1: Josh Pagetti. How are you, Josh? Doing well. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to talk to fellow Cal Poly students and share my experiences uh, from Cal Poly and beyond.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Josh. I'm so excited to see you. Um, Josh was one of those um, one of those students from the from the era when we were dominating academic quiz bowls back in the day, and um, and so Josh was one of those prolific quiz bowl students that we had, and he is currently um, a doctoral student at um, Penn State University. For those who are in the know, they know that Penn State University is one of our uh, revered programs that has been around for a very long time. Um, It's Recreation Parks and Tourism Management at Penn State, and he's working in the outdoor recreation realm. We're going to hear all about that I'm um, super excited to hear about that. Uh Josh is a 2015 graduate of our program. So um we'll we'll also talk about what it was like back in the day, eight years ago, right? At Cal Poly. But um let's uh first things first,
1: Josh. Tell everyone, tell everyone where you grew up. So I grew up just down the road of Cal Poly in Santa Barbara, California. Yeah. And uh I was born and raised there. But I was also uh, raised making trips, mostly to surf, sometimes to swim right. up in San Luis Obispo. So uh, I became familiar with the Central Coasts before I got to Cal Polity. Right
0: on, right on. What about uh, what about your folks growing up? Uh, parents, uh, when you were growing up in, in Santa Barbara, what did they what did they do?
1: Yeah, so my dad was a firefighter for the city I of Santa. Barbara. I remembered that. Yeah. Right. On. So he put in about 30 years, uh, yeah. worked his way up to battalion chief for a little bit. And his focus was on training, um, towards the end of his time right. as a firefighter. And, uh, he's actually taken that beyond into his retirement realm and he's doing uh first responder mental health and awareness. Oh. So it's really fun seeing him continue to work with uh, first responders yeah. on their personal health. Um, it's something that is not really touched upon or hasn't been historically yeah and now i mean even with college students with general public and first responders there's a lot of conversation around it so he's been jumping into that
0: wow that's um just shout out shout out to your dad that's such a such an important thing and i mean you know it's like one of those things uh, like like many things in life that we have a tendency to take for granted um, but those first responders, the trauma that um that they face um that's tough for anyone to deal with. And the fact that we haven't really addressed mental health up until recently with with those those folks is um' it, kind of crazy when you think about it, but it's so great to hear that your dad's doing great work there. What about what about mom?
1: Yeah, and my mom has been working in real estate with my grandmother, so oh, yeah. it's a family affair. Nice. uh, My grandma has been in real estate in Santa Barbara since must be late 70s, early 80s. Oh, wow. Um, um, She's seen it all. Yeah. And then my mom has been working closely with my grandma Uh uh, after she graduated from UC Santa Barbara. Yeah. So it's really fun hearing their stories about how town has changed. I mean, that's been changing. Over the course of my life, over the last 30 years, and over the course of my mom's life, um, and especially in the last few years, it's amazing to hear the stories that come out of not just the home buying, home selling, right, uh, but the clientele, the individuals that are coming in and out of town.
0: Yeah, you get I get I, I am sure real estate folks get are, are great storytellers because they they get to see kind of like peek behind the scenes, you know. So uh and and you know, we all get to kind of share that a little bit with HGTV, you know, and uh, and uh, so so we all kind of feel like we know the life of real estate uh, a little bit better, I think because of those shows. Um but uh what about what about
1: siblings? And so with siblings, I'm actually the oldest of three. Okay. Um, and my sister is still in Santa Barbara. She just finished her second bachelor's, um, in nursing. So she's been a nurse for about two years now, but she wanted to get the bachelor's and continue her education, which is amazing to see. Yeah. And, uh, she loves being in Santa Barbara. She recently got married. Uh-huh. So she and her husband are happy as can be. Uh, yeah. they're kind of just booming or blooming and glowing yeah. with that newlywed stage. Nice. And my brother was in Santa Barbara up until about just last week, two weeks ago, where right. um, he and his girlfriend just moved across the country to Connecticut. Oh, wow. So, Connecticut. You don't hear that move very often. No, so,
0: <laughs> what,
1: what's, uh, what took them to going, Connecticut? His girlfriend's going into medical school, uh-huh. uh, so they're starting a a your journey out there. Right. Uh, of course, they already have their eyes set on coming back of course <laughs> west. uh but they're embracing this uh new lifestyle in Connecticut yeah yeah that, that, Connecticut's beautiful
0: um well let's talk about a little bit about uh what you were like growing up obviously you already told us surfing and swimming and um but but what uh wh- what other things um were you into what was your jam growing up
1: I spent most of my life in the water. Uh, When I was in school, uh, I was in the pool as a competitive swimmer through uh, high school. And then also with lifeguarding. Um, Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time at the beach, whether it was in my free time surfing or as a kid, as a junior lifeguard. And then transitioning into being an ocean lifeguard myself and a junior guard instructor. Uh Um, So with that, I got to... You know, travel up and down California coasts, various events, both in pool and in the ocean, did a lot of ocean racing, nice. um, had some opportunities to travel abroad to race, which is really fun. Nice. But with that, um, I mean, if you're at uh, to ask my mom, uh, my family, my friends, I was a water kid. Um, but to me, I always had this draw to the mountains, um yeah. Um, and didn't really make it there that much. Okay. Uh, so as I love the ocean, there was the, always that subtle calling for the mountains, uh, uh-huh. which I have since satisfied and I'm so happy that I'm in them. Right. Um, so I decided to talk about that transition. Um uh, but yeah. my time as a kid at the beach has been um spectacular. Love it. I love it. Um,
0: so uh, let, let's, um, I, I like, I, I've added this new segment, uh, Josh, uh, called the Glory Days segment, you know, the, the boss, Bruce Springsteen, Glory Days, you know, that's the only problem with the segment is that I have a tendency to want to sing Bruce and That doesn't make for good podcast listening, but, um, uh, so when you think about your, you know, your early life, high school, middle school, whatever it might be before you, before you got to Cal Poly, what's your proudest accomplishment?
1: Oh, it's definitely my involvement with junior guards. Um, simple fact that I was at the beach every single day, uh, every summer from junior high through high school. Uh Uh, but with that, I was also, competitive um so yeah from early high school years until the end of high school i would compete in state championships uh even
0: they had a competition so it's like a full-on lifeguard competition
1: like absolutely full-on baywatch uh right and it's a big deal for the west coast um for the carolinas actually for florida yeah yeah um and internationally there are lifeguard races that. So it's a it's a mix. It's kind of um like track and field, but on the beach. Right. So you're right. Sprinting yeah. uh, on the beach. You have your sprinting in the ocean, you have paddling, you have rowing, you have yeah, right. relays. And, and uh, I was always in the water. Yeah. So the event that I was the strongest at was actually a rescue race. Ah. And it's a two person event um where one individual would race out to a set distance out in the ocean, a couple hundred yards out. yeah. And they would imitate needing to be rescued. And my job was to race out against other lifeguards and be the first to bring in my victim. Um, oh, wow. So for a number of years, I actually won that in the States, uh, had a blast and a great partner. Uh, a little no. bit of strategy there. I found yeah. the latest kid that was my age and put him out in the water. Yeah, and I could just rush back in with him. Um, so he and I, yeah, won states for a while. And then we won nationals a couple times. You you won nationals?
0: Yeah. As a kid, it was
1: was fun. So that is awesome. Very cool. Glory days. I was like, those
0: are the glory days. See, like I, I, um, I, the, the way I got this idea is I did this once in class and, It didn't work great in class because it's almost like there's like this comparison type thing going on, you know, where like someone would be like, well, yes, I'm actually an international flute champion, you know, and then someone else was like, well, you know, I I helped my brother once or something like that, you know, Uh, you know, so it was like I I didn't really like the comparison element, but um, but I was just blown away with how many accomplishments uh you know just amazing accomplishments that that our students um have had so that's why i added it into the podcast because we're not doing any comparisons now right we can just uh we can share we can we can share that let's talk about um thinking about a career you know you had mom in real estate dad in firefighting um and you're obviously like huge in lifeguard uh, as a as as lifeguard training when you when I, I want you to kind of—you'll be able to refresh my memory, but it seems
1: like your dream job was always just to stay a lifeguard, right? Yeah, and yeah, I just saw this question. I had this thought: it's like dream job uh-huh. or realistic dream job, and going mm-hmm. between those two. Got you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yes, realistic dream job had been ocean lifeguarding. Yeah. Uh, so. Absolutely correct. Through college, I spent a lot of time. Most of my summers, um, either Santa Barbara running their junior lifeguard program or making the transition into LA County's lifeguard department. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially in LA County, there was opportunity to make that a career.
0: Yeah. Um, So that that's something, Josh. I didn't know. That's something that I didn't know until you and Dr. Sturm. Do you know that Dr. Sturm retired? as a 20 foot, he had a 24 year career as a lifeguard. No kidding. As an ocean lifeguard. Yeah. With it, with the state parks. Mm-hmm. Um, And then since then, and, and, and there's so many parallels you need to, you need to go back and listen to, to Sturm's uh, podcast. Cause, um, and now, you know, of course he ended up going down to Santa Barbara and getting his PhD. And, you know, he has like, I, I mean, he has so many degrees. It's so amazing. He's such an amazing character. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I didn't know that about him until I did the podcast. And I immediately thought of you when he was telling me this, I'm like, Oh, well,
1: yeah, I didn't, had no idea you could like make a full career out of it. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So like you said, it definitely was that realistic dream career. Yeah. Um, but even as I thought of, it, I was like, man, there's so many things that I wanted to do as a kid. At first it was marine biologists because it was the ocean. Of course. And a little bit of aspect of science or significant aspect of science. Yeah. I started to get that desire to want to learn more. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, whether it was on the beach or elsewhere, especially in the mountains, geology mm. caught my attention. I was really mm. into collecting rocks and minerals and gems. Yeah. Um, but marine bio was a little more engaging, yeah. lively. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and of course my dad had an influence, um, understanding how well he was able to support. My family as a firefighter yeah. um, and seeing that the ocean lifeguard position in LA
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, provided similar benefits, um, mm-hmm. not just financially, but also time-wise for mm-hmm. family. And that was always on the horizon for me. But yeah, with those four dream jobs, yeah. I'm not in any four of those because I've just found myself on a path, especially right after Cal Poly that I didn't expect when I right. was 18. That's right. Well, let's talk about that path to Cal Poly. Uh, so, you know,
0: everyone has their own unique story. So, I want you to tell us our uh, yours. Uh, tell us yours. Uh, what? What? How did you? Obviously, Santa Barbara is close to to San Luis Obispo. But i I always um I always talk about um, hearing this one musician. Um, I, for, I always forget his name. He's married to Bo Derek. Um, but uh, we we saw him. This was probably fifteen years ago. And he was playing in San Luis Obispo and he was like, guys, I've got to admit, growing up in Santa Barbara, you always hear about San Luis Obispo. He was like, but as living in Santa Barbara, you're like, what? What do they have that we don't have? And so no one really in Santa Barbara ever comes to San Luis Obispo, or very few people. And he goes, and I have seriously lived here all my life, and this is the first time at age forty eight that I've been to San Luis Obispo. And he was like, and now I see, like, wow, it's amazing, (laughs) you know. So and I was like, whoa, okay, that's that's really kind of wild. But so tell, sorry, sorry to to uh, try to one up your. I'm not trying to one up your story what's your story for
1: uh for for finding Cal Poly no and that story is exactly true I mean it's yeah. Cal Poly and San Luis Obispo it was hiding in plain sight yeah uh, um, so <laughs> it comes back to surfing when I was a teen I would actually make trips up to Cayucos uh-huh. and that quaint town the yeah. feel, and getting the atmosphere of central coast I was like okay I could get behind this yeah. Um, if I, if we were to think of Santa Barbara being that border between the Central Coast and Southern California, right, um, with the heavier influence of Southern California, I was so excited to be up in the Central Coast. Yeah. And whether it was the cold water, whether it was the slower pace, less surfers in the water, I mean, just everything about it uh-huh. enticed me. Um, so as I got older, I mean, my parents, you know, asking the standard question, hey, what are you thinking of college? And kind okay. of step back, I, was like, I, I really don't know. Yeah. And so they mentioned that there's a university by San Luis Obispo, by Cayucas. and uh, that's Cal Poly. So I said, okay, hey, great. Let's go check it out. Mm-hmm. And as I did my prospective student tour, Cal Poly became the one and only school on my list. I was like, yeah. this is it. And it was kind of putting all my eggs in one basket. And uh, especially with the early decision option in the application, I was like, I am committing to this. I'm right. so excited. Love it. Just had this desire to go. Um, and my parents being wise, they said, hey, maybe you should apply to one more school. Right, <laughs> right. Okay, one more school, but I'm committing to Cal Poly. And I want right. to get it. And I didn't know at that time if I was going right. to get it. or not, But everything about it drew me in. Um, yeah. But with that being said, I didn't know of at that time what RPTA was. Right, right. So it was now that time to try to figure out what major am I going to apply with? Mm-hmm. And with that kind of hint of whether it's marine biology or geology or staying mm-hmm. on the beach. Mm -hmm. Seems like environmental management, environmental protection could have been something that satisfied my educational desires. Right. Um, But as I started just in my first semester, first year, I realized that in that department, uh, I was learning a ton, but I was missing something and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Yeah. Um, It was until I actually sat down with Diane Korth Mm -hmm. uh, and talked to her about it. Just was honest and, hey, I love learning about the outdoors, I love learning about the environment, but Mm -hmm. there's something missing. Mm -hmm. And she probed into it and really figured out that I was missing this personal connection.
0: That social science. Social aspect.
1: As as we came to that, she says, you would be a perfect fit. Yeah. RPTA focusing on outdoor recreation Mm -hmm. and making that transfer was the best decision. Love it college career i mean Love it's it. shapes my entire future yeah that's awesome that's so awesome well i really appreciate her taking that time to really listen to me as uh-huh. a new college student as a young uh-huh. Uh-huh. not even going into adulthood i was maybe 18 yeah and her patience her willingness to listen and provide that guidance has uh-huh. had a major impact on me
0: Love it. Shout out to Diane. She is, uh, she is quite, quite amazing. And we um are so, so lucky to have her on our team. And um, so I appreciate that shout out a great deal, Josh. Um, let's talk about your time at Cal Poly. I mean, I know you embraced um, the, the learn by doing mantra in, in a rather major way. Um, I, I I like to frame this question, you know, twofold. Um, one, uh, w- the, the second part, I want you to focus on professional development. But the first part, I want you to think about like memorable experiences. Like, is there something that you did, a moment, a friend group, or whatever it might be, where you look back and you think like, wow, this really solidified um, my memories of college.
1: I and mean, there's some standout moments with RPT that's a hard one <laughs> uh, both on the academic side the experiential side the social side right. uh so we'll go first academic I mean the the quiz Bowl was an amazing opportunity to learn more about um our area of focus yeah. and to actually see where, professions can take us, where this knowledge can um, have an impact. Mm -hmm. So the quiz bowl was great. I love being on the team uh, and getting to travel to NRPA and being a part of those conversations as a student and seeing where these professionals uh, take their knowledge, take their skills, whether it is in um, community recreation, nonprofit, commercial, um, outdoor rec, sports. I mean, there's so many avenues. Right. And it opened my eyes to that. I mean, I was going into it so focused on an outdoor rec that the quiz bowl and participation in NRPA expanded my horizons. So that was fantastic. Love it.
0: Love it. Yeah. You know, we were really disappointed. They shut the, we, we dominated it too much, Josh. They had to shut it. They had to shut it down. <laughs> oh, man, They turned it in like, they turned it into like the amazing race. And we were like, um, I don't think we're going to be able to get that through our uh, <laughs> through our IR, IRA proposals. Like we, it needs to be academic, something academic, you know. But um, I, I love that. Let's talk about professional development. Um, is there is there something that you did during your your time at Cal Poly where you look back and you go, "Wow!" From a professional development perspective, this really helped me to get to where I am today.
1: Ooh, uh internship opportunities, mm. and that is plural, or just field experience. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. all that uh, coming yeah. together was really important. So, this learn by doing aspects really impacted the direction that I'm going now. Mm. Um, the first being with I was its own class at the time, but diverse populations, mm-hmm. and with that I joined in with special Olympics, um, and went in as, as a swim instructor. Yeah. And it was so fun for me to be in the water once a week, um, teaching an activity that I'm so comfortable doing yeah. and in an environment that I'm so comfortable in, but teaching a population, uh, so individuals with, uh, cognitive or intellectual disabilities, um, yeah. giving them the opportunity to learn and practice something that uh, they don't necessarily have easy access to that resource. Right. So having that opportunity from a class was pretty spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. And cool. uh, and then from that, I mean, had a kind of mid college internship with outdoor nation and outdoor foundation. And that was a fantastic experience that yeah, you got to go to Washington uh, DC with that, right? Yeah. I went to Washington DC to do some lobbying. Uh, for the Great America's Outdoors Act,
2: wow.
1: uh, and which had, I think is recently passing. It's three years old now. So to see that come into fruition is pretty amazing. That is awesome, yeah. Um, and also got to work with other universities across the country um, that wanted to think about how can money, how can funds, how can energy go into increasing participation and long-term participation within our youth. Mm -hmm. Um, across all different populations and so I got to travel to Seattle to the Carolinas to Texas uh, to Chicago right and learn about their kind of recreational needs recreational wants for their population so that was really fun love it Uh, love it well, let's talk about that uh
0: let's talk about that call to the mountains uh so to speak right so that's the that's uh what you' what you're referring to I I assume right was your internship coming out of Cal Poly um tell us about tell us about that how you got it um and what that experience must have been like working um working with that population
1: yeah so my internship was at disabled sports Eastern Sierra uh, in Mammoth lakes, California, and I was there for the winter of 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. And my role as an intern was, uh, an instructor. So an adaptive ski and snowboard instructor, yeah. uh, was going in with snowboard experience, but very minimal ski experience. Mm. And before I talk about the actual internship itself, um, I did learn about the internship from again that diverse population class. I was gonna a, say, yeah, through Dr. G. Uh, that was with blanking on her name now. Oh, she was coming up from Santa Barbara. Oh yeah 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 okay, Celeste. Yes, Royer. Yes, that, that rings. Yeah. So as she was coming up, um, teaching this class, one of the assignments was to get involved or have a have a conversation and interview. With a program or an organization that serves a population, uh, a special population. So I looked at DSES, Disabled Sports East in Sierra, mm-hmm. in Mammoth, uh, to learn about how they provide outdoor experiences, um, whether they are just recreational or educational, uh-huh. um, to people with disabilities in yeah. all types of disabilities, physical, social, um, cognitive, intellectual. They work with many individuals uh there's no individual that is turned away which is amazing awesome. so yeah. as i had this conversation with uh one of the managers at the time got to learn about what equipment they use how they teach how they're a nonprofit, and how they work closely with mammoth mountain ski area mm-hmm. and other entities in the area of the eastern sierra to get individuals out whether it's skiing snowboarding cross-country skiing in the winter Paddling, mountain biking, rock climbing, hiking wow. around in the summer. Uh, I was just fascinated. And they put in this little plug at the end of the interview saying, Hey, if you are truly interested in what we are doing and what we offer, uh, there's an opportunity for you to come in and learn as an intern. And that was, I believe that was at the end of my second year uh-huh. in college. So I, I held on to that tightly and said, I'm coming yeah. back. Yeah. And that's such a good model.
0: That's so smart to do. Like making these connections is just a is 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 so valuable. Um I, I love it. So so coming out of um, let's talk about the the period uh before graduate school, right? So you you um you obviously we we talked about it at the beginning that you're in a doctoral program right now at Penn State University, but um you know everyone has a path that like gets them there you know like uh you don't not very many go oh yeah i'm gonna be this right i'm gonna go and get my master's get my phd and i'm just gonna march right towards it right something kind of leads you in that direction so let's talk kind of generally about that period um between your internship there um with uh disabled sport eastern Sierra. And your decision to continue your education and eventually go for your PhD. Um, What are the takeaways? What are the experiences? uh, That sort of thing.
1: Oh, man. Uh, It was a very organic process. It still is. Yeah. And it's had some turns and twists and pauses here and there. Yeah. But grad school was always that fuzzy object in the distance. (laughs) Um, and it stayed fuzzy for about four years. I got you. Uh, <laughs> and I was fuzzy. Uh, I sort of looked into a master's program uh, or various master's programs, but wasn't really committing to it because, quite frankly, I was having too much fun with my jobs. Uh, so my internship at Mammoth with DSES turned into four seasons mm-hmm. as an instructor on staff. And I was working six to eight months um, here in Mammoth as a staff instructor, working with people with disabilities and then spending the other four to six months ocean lifeguarding, running yeah. junior grad programs and yeah. traveling. I had amazing fall travels um, that opened my eyes to different places, different cultures. Yeah. I, One special experience was actually traveling down to Chile and doing some adaptive ski instruction down there. Oh, nice. Um, And that was really rewarding. Built these really close relationships with the students that I was teaching. So I even went back and just free skied with them afterwards.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: But through those four years, yeah. The idea of being a career ocean lifeguard still lingered. So I was spending the time at the beach in the summer, Uh but it started to wane. I was odd ah, six months in the mountains. Like I said, eight months in the mountains. All of a sudden I wanted to spend my entire year in the mountains. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so I realized that this lifestyle that I had in mammoth was the lifestyle that I desired. Right. Uh, I could always go back and visit. That's beauty of California. That's we have- right. <laughs> Just a drive away. Yeah. Everything, a drive away. Yeah. And, uh, so focusing on my, professional growth in DSES. um, I got to develop as an instructor. And of course the context was skiing and snowboarding. Cool. Uh, so learning how to ski and learning how to teach skiing at the same time was pretty special, improving my snowboarding and also learning about individuals with different disabilities mm-hmm. and understanding that disability or not, every individual is unique. Mm-hmm. And teaching every individual is a puzzle. So that was the most fun that I was having. Not and right. I started to go through the professional ski instructors of America and American Association of Snowboard Instructors certification process. Mm-hmm. And I started that um in my internship, and I'm continuing through it right now mm-hmm. um, for alpine skiing, snowboarding, adaptive instruction. Um, there's also cross country and telemark options. Uh-huh. And while doing so, that was satisfying my mental challenge uh-huh. um, and it was, it was a blast. So come my fourth year as an, as an instructor, a publication went out, an advertisement went out for Penn state in search of a graduate student to do research on snow sports education.
2: I oh, love it. Yeah. So
1: all that all of a sudden that fuzzy object in the horizon right right in my face shout, yeah you're like huh oh, this <laughs> me. right and uh with that whether it was organic serendipitous, I thought that I could go down this route like this mm-hmm. was finally um a hint to my calling saying okay now I can mix. My academic desires, my professional desires and interests right now, and continue with my education. Um so yeah, after four years working full time at disabled sports, East Sierra, I made the transition into uh Penn State, where I'm still working on my PhD. Uh, this is likely my last full academic year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Penn yeah, State. yeah. So tell us, tell us what um uh, what the options are there at Penn State? Um, you, did did you, you you didn't move to College Station, right? you were able to do it there in Mammoth Lakes or or what? Oh, in State College. So State College. Sorry, what did I say? College Station. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, uh, Nittany Lions. I'm uh, mixing up college towns there. I was trying to go Texas AM. and uh, My bad. <laughs> it's uh, That'd be okay.
1: All right. Um, so. Sorry. I did go out to State College. You um, did go to State College. How long did you live there? For some time. Well, this is where COVID makes an impact on Ah. my educational experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went out. My first semester was fall of 2019. Oh, yep. And then COVID, you, you lasted a year? It didn't even last a full year. Not even a full year, yeah. So... Uh, my first year, I had one full semester on campus mm-hmm. and then spring started off on campus and come spring break. Everything was remote and remained remote for another two semesters. So yeah, um, out of my first two years, I was on campus just one full semester. One full semester. Yeah. yeah. That's what I, when I was
0: looking at those dates, I was like, I am doubting he was uh, in state college for very long. Yeah. So, so you were able to move, move back to Mammoth Lakes or did you move back to Santa Barbara? What did you, how did you, how did you handle all that?
1: Yeah. So thinking that as everyone may have thought that it hopefully it was going to be a short term, I said, okay, I'll do a couple of weeks with my family in Santa Barbara. Yeah. And sure. as the long-term projection said, oh, this is going to be a while. Yeah. I come back up to Mammoth and this was my happy place. Um, yeah. Just yeah. physically, mentally, emotionally. I love being up here. Yeah. And, um, uh, so as I came up here, I continued to do my schoolwork with mm-hmm. this time. I figured, okay, I'm going to do summer courses as well. There's mm-hmm. take advantage of the calm and mm-hmm. while everyone was at home and everything was accessible mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stayed here for yeah a year and a half and then as things started to open back up in person opportunities on campus and everything for both grad student um, classes and for my roles as an assistantship, everything was brought back to Penn State. So I did my third year back on campus. Back at State College. Okay. Got you. And while out there, I had the opportunity to teach my own course. So I, I taught- say, did you, Have you gotten to teach? Yeah. Yeah. So I taught a 100 level- um, rptm course nice Tell uh, us also about a, that a gen ed course so i had about 180 on the roster
0: 180 your first course
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. so fortunately fortunately i had ta 8 it before and done some guest lectures okay um, so you had yeah you had some experience okay and very different from our cal poly experiences and of course with our classes being 30 max I yeah think. Yeah, thirty um,
0: thirty to fifty is what we are now. Yeah. yeah.
1: But to teach a course that um kind of gave a wide range of topics mm-hmm. in leisure studies, recreation. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed, and especially because we had non-RPTM students in the course. Yeah, I love teaching it that. Yeah. Encouraged me yeah. to think about how do I relate this to other individuals. Yeah. Why is this information important to a business major, to an English oh, major, yeah. um, to history. Like how do we all tie this in? Maybe they're not interested in every module, mm-hmm. at least getting them engaged so that they can understand the academic importance mm-hmm. and of course the personal benefits of recreation oh, and yep. giving them assignments that allow them to reflect on, leisure and recreation's role in their own life, personally, professionally, Ooh. academically. Yep. Um, so I had a blast with it. Love it. Uh, it was a brand new experience to be teaching such Ooh. a large class, mm-hmm. uh, especially because I was used to one-on-one with skiing yeah. instruction. with junior guards. I, I did have uh, about 300 kids under me, but with Eighteen other instructors, so right, right, <laughs> you know, right. Twenty kids at the beach, right. At the time.
0: Were uh, you in a Were you in a big uh, auditorium classroom? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. It, I remember those. I remember it, that from uh, from Carolina. Yeah, but got used to it, and uh, yeah, made that transition. You know, from the online semesters back into in person that proved mm-hmm. to be challenging. Um, but working with the students, making accommodations, understanding that we were all in the same boat. And I understood, especially because I was a grad student going through. Yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so a lot of communication with my students and I really appreciated that maybe I didn't get to communicate with all 180, but those that were engaged with their own learning and their own health, I really appreciated when they spoke up to me. 100%. You know, I think this is a good time to maybe to,
0: to insert this, Josh. I, I'm really curious about this, what your perspective is um, now that now that you've taught. Um, you know, there's a lot of concern out there um, about male students and um, their engagement in education generally. Now, obviously, when we talk, we have to be careful not to be stereotypical here. But um I just think about, I think about you and I think about some of the other um, male students that I've had on the, um, on the podcast and, and, you know, I knew right away in the classroom that you were going to be someone who was going to stand out, you know, because you were, you were engaged, you, you reached out, you were communicative, you were all those things that you look for in students, right? Um, But I have noticed in recent years um, more male students kind of being more like me when I was in school, you know, (laughs) sitting in the back, disengaged, not being uh, attuned to their education. Um, and, you know, I guess for me, I see myself in those folks and, and, and I, and I go, how can I help? Like, how can we engage? And, you know, at Cal Poly in particular, you stand out because learn by doing you you have to be engaged, right? I mean, you know, in a class of one hundred and eighty, you, you know, like I I was that's what I was at Carolina. You know, you can hide and no one knows that you're disengaged. Really, you know, because you don't get the experience that everyone else gets. Um, but I wonder what your perspectives. Do you have any perspectives on that? Like how we can um, how how we can work to to engage. Um, male
1: identifying students a little bit better yeah uh it's a great question and i think of my experience as a young male going into college and what it it took what it still takes is i need reason to engage yeah um and that is not just for male students but anyone in that adolescent stage young adulthood we need reason to act mm-hmm. and what we're learning needs to be relevant to our life. So that is one reason. And another reason is also understanding like where our previous experiences fit in mm-hmm. and then where do these experiences impact our future experiences? Mm-hmm. So if that that's in a small great. course, like at Cal Poly, okay. My position in a field trip, I have these duties. If I don't fulfill these duties, my impact is not just on me but on other students. Yeah. And and I, I
0: think weird. that's yeah, I love that. I think that's so great. I and you know, you just kind of open my eyes too because I just realized, you know, I, I start to think about it like, well, how did you get engaged? Well, I got engaged because I love sports, and someone told me I could study sports, and I was like, What? Say what? And they're like, Yeah, I'm like well, that's what I was doing in college, anyway. I was sitting in the back looking at the sports page. <laughs> so you know, there you go. So we got to find we got to find what
1: engages, right? It, absolutely, yeah. Uh, so I, with grad school, I've dabbled in adult education, and mm-hmm. um, I shouldn't even say dabbled. I'm going to get a graduate minor in it yeah. uh, because yeah. I am so fascinated with this aspect of pedagogy all the way through this lifelong learning aspect Lifelong learning. Yeah. And I am an example of lifelong learning. I love being in the classroom. I love not just learning things, but applying them. Right. And So if I can learn something that is relevant to something that I do today or in the next week or in the next year, yeah. Then I am sure as heck going to pay attention. Right. And it's just a little bit of that sale. Mm -hmm. Like why, why should I be motivated to learn? And sometimes that motivation is within. Sometimes that motivation is from a mentor, from
2: yeah. um,
1: a professor or a coach.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's all about figuring it out together. Yeah. Now, as our position in a, as, a, as a teacher, instructor, professor, yeah. we need to engage with our students so that we make it relevant to them. Yeah,
0: 100 percent. It's on on us as educators. I love that. That's so awesome. So tell us, let's talk a little bit more about research, you know, so when you get into a Ph.D. program, obviously, you've got to focus more on research. Um, So talk to us about what's your have you have you decided on a dissertation topic yet? Um, Where are you headed along those lines?
1: So I am in the midst of data collection for my dissertation. Right, that's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. You. Is that what you were doing Um, at Lassen, or did you? When uh, you no, saw Dr. In, uh, G, I was in Big Sky. So, oh, I was in Big Sky for some data collection. But Dr. G just came through Mammoth, and oh, uh, I got. She you. I was here at was Lassen with her. Okay, got you. No, so she was, This was a pit stop for her and the family. So it was okay. great to see them. I oh, love it. Um, but well, actually, let's stop
0: there. We've heard a lot about Mammoth Lakes. Let's talk about a little bit more about Mammoth Lakes before you get into your data collection, because I think this relates, right? So what what draws you? you know, you talked about that draw to the mountains. And I think it's a fascinating discussion um, for for a kid who grew up by the ocean. And and we most often hear, you know, you're either ocean or mountain, right? But I love hearing you say that you had that call to the mountains, because I, I kind of did too. And whenever I'm in the mountains, I, I just have this this feeling of peace and, and tranquility. And um, that's one of the things I miss about living here in slow is, uh, you know, I mean, I, of course I can go up Bishop's peak, but uh, it's not quite the same. Um, tell us uh, what you love the most about mammoth lakes and what's your, uh,
1: what's the biggest draw to to staying there? Ooh, that's, that's a big question. And a cliche statement that I hear that sort of resonates for me is coming for the winter but staying for summer
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh it it sticks because the winter is amazing Um, it's mammoth mountain is yeah it stays open the longest so were with- you there this past winter <laughs> oh yes oh my gosh oh yes and we did not leave because we didn't have the options. Because you couldn't, <laughs> right? Um, Do cross country ski to work or what? You <laughs> didn't even get to work. We had cross country. Work, ski. work was in your house. Yeah, right. right. Uh, There's no teaching because the roads were three feet, four feet deep yeah. of snow, and yeah, the grade was closed, so we couldn't get diesel for the snow plows, and yeah, it it was fascinating. I mean, it was amazing to live through it, and living through it once was enough for a story uh-huh, exactly but not not a regular lifestyle um but yeah so with winter mammoth hosts one of the longest ski seasons snowboard seasons yeah Um. so of course for me that being my passion both on the recreation side and professional side it suits me well right um but in addition to the winter the the spring summer fall it's beautiful yeah, it's beautiful. It, yeah. it, for me, it's it's one of the few places um, that I've been to in California where I can experience all four seasons. Yeah. Um, and this spring, we kind of lost to winter. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> right. I mean, the mountains. The thaw, the thaw out. <laughs> right. Okay. The,
0: the great melt. Right. Yeah.
1: So, this year is a little bit of an anomaly, but now we're just getting into summer, and we have our spring flower bloom going on right now. as, as we're in August, which yeah. blows me away. Then I think of October as the fall colors change. Yeah, yeah. I
2: mean,
1: every color comes through here, whether it's the monochromatic yeah. winter days to the colors that we're getting now. Right. Um, so that as a this is a place, a geographic place, is just spectacular. Yeah. And then. With my interest in geology, it's, yeah. um, there's really rich in geological information and knowledge, history, uh-huh. um, with being a volcano
2: yeah.
1: and running North, you've got a series of volcanic, uh, eruptions and plugs, right. It has a great history. Um, uh, we've got little hot Creek just down the road. That is a very miniature scale, Yellowstone. It's got those mineral thermal pools, right. uh, fishing's amazing. We've got 1,000 to 14,000 foot peaks for the next 200 miles south and a couple yeah. hundred miles north. Uh, so Got to work, work out right outside the door. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, the fact that I can jump on my road bike and go 50 miles in either direction and be staring at the Eastern Sierra, is mm-hmm. pretty uh, special, or hike to a lake without even getting in my car. Yeah, Um, it's pretty spectacular, but
2: awesome. I
1: mean, and all that being said, a lot of it about town is also community. So, Mm -hmm. I built a really tight knit community with the adaptive program. Yeah, because it's primarily volunteer based. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of those volunteers are local. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, my family and my wife's family are here. My wife's family is here full time, and my family comes up once or twice a month. So, having that access. To family is really yeah. special because I know there's mountains everywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. but like I said, the community of my friends from the mountain, from my work, and then family—that's mm-hmm. something that I can't get in other places. I love so it. That whole combination it. that makes Mammoth Lakes so special to so me. I love it.
0: Yeah. So, so tell us. We we um we skipped from a hundred and eighty person classroom in state college. To you being back at Mammoth Lakes. so how how are you how are you um how are you navigating that with getting a PhD? Do they
1: allow you to do it um, remote? Yes, yeah. so I'm in a very unique position. Um, I worked with my advisor Pete Allison to come up with a plan that allowed me to conduct the rest of my grad school experience remote uh, from Mammoth Lakes. Awesome. So after my third year, uh, at Penn state, I just had to pass comprehensive exams. So that was a big focus mm-hmm. of last fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then get ready for my dissertation. Yeah. And while doing so, uh, we discussed that being in a town like mammoth provided me access to the professionals, the individuals that would continue to prompt me to think about my research. Yeah. Um, there's a small community of ski instructors, snowboard instructors, Around state college, but not nearly to the extent that I have here. Right. Um, so that was a, a very valuable uh, component, uh, bargaining piece to right. coming back here. Um, right. And of course, uh, my wife's here, so doing the distance was was not the wisest thing to do. Oh, um, she was staying while you were going to state
0: college. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, yeah, that's
1: rough. So a number of those things really made it possible, and. As I worked with my advisor, we came up with this agreement, this plan. Mm -hmm. um, I can no longer be an assistant, a graduate assistant, um, teaching courses at Penn State, doing other research related um, duties for pay. But as I came back here, I was was able to jump back into a part time position with Disabled Sports Eastern Sierra. I was going to say, I bet you were awesome. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. So. Uh, Tell us
0: about uh, your data collection. I I I screwed us all up there
1: with that. (laughs) that, Tell us about your data collection and your dissertation. Yeah, everything about these last eight months have been oh yeah (laughs) all jumbled all over the place. So it fits the last eight months. It's okay. And uh, so come February, I completed my dissertation proposal um, and had that granted. And I was given the AOK to start data collection. Um, and so before talking about data collection, my research is looking into what constitutes as inspirational instruction in outdoor recreation. Ah, cool. So thinking about what we recently talked about with male students or students in general, yeah. how to make learning relevant and how do we make yeah. participation long term? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So We can talk about motivations, a common term used Um, with that. I started to think, okay, how do, how do we inspire people to do so in the first place? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And How can educators in the outdoors be the one to inspire their students to stay in the outdoors and whatever activity I just chose skiing and snowboarding as my context. Right. Um, So I'm taking on a qualitative project. Nice. Um, so it's participant observations and interviews primarily as nice. my data collection methods. And I've been very fortunate with my data collection experiences. I started off with a week in Big Sky, Montana, uh, doing participant observations with the national team of the Professional Ski Instructors of America and American Association of Snowboard Instructors.
2: No way. That's so awesome.
1: Yeah. So this was a week-long academy where instructors from all across the country could come together uh, and learn from the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And these best of the best have been nominated. They've been they've tried out for their position. Um, they've been identified as inspirational uh mm-hmm. by the director of education here and by a number of others throughout mm-hmm. the country. Yeah. So I was able to observe and participate in 10 different clinics. Mm-hmm. Facilitated by these inspirational instructors. Gotcha. And what I first looked at was what does it look like? What is my perception of inspirational instruction? What makes them, (laughs) what are the interactions that are occurring between me and the instructor, between the instructor and their participants Mm -hmm. um, as a group? And so, as my first data set, trying to figure out are there common patterns, are there common skills or characteristics
2: Mm -hmm.
1: across the 12 instructors that I got to observe and participate under Um, coming together with all that data. I then reached out to a number of the participants who explicitly said they experienced inspiration from their instructor. We interviewed them as well. So going into what's called phenomenology, Mm -hmm. understanding their lived experience of being inspired. Mm -hmm. And now my job currently is looking through these interviews trying to understand what are the skills the qualities the characteristics that had an impact on these individuals right um, putting that together yeah. on a, so independent and then comparing it to my observations uh, where do yeah. things align where did i experience things differently than others kind of getting to the point where inspiration uh-huh. maybe may personal uh-huh. but there are certain characteristics or skills Mm-hmm. that lead to these positive influences. In right. um, right. And then the third step will be once I get all of these data together, going back to the instructors, asking them, how do they do this deliberately and how do they learn these skills or gain and develop these qualities, these characteristics mm-hmm. inspire their students with mm-hmm. the intent that we can come back out of this project and teach other instructors to be impactful with their students
2: exactly
0: i love it and that ties right into that adult education that you were talking about earlier um now are you on um are you on a three publication dissertation model or um a big dissertation
1: it'll be big traditional dissertation.
0: Okay, okay, cool. Well, well I was thinking while you were talking that these sound like amazing articles that I can't wait to read. Um so I know you'll probably do that too, but um it sounds like just an amazing uh, dissertation. Um the the last question I want to ask you, well well actually I'll kind of a twofold one is um uh what's next? Like what are what are you thinking? Are you are you wanting to become a professor? Or are you wanting to do more um lifelong learning, adult education? Like, how are you gonna figure out a way to stay in mammoth legs, in other words?
1: <laughs> That's a fantastic question. And good. I have finally accepted and openly the ambiguity of my future. Ah, good. Um, I, I'm just, I am enthralled with my research right now. I'm enthralled with the work that I get to do up in Mammoth right now.
2: Right. Um,
1: but as I think about my future, it is staying involved in outdoor recreation, particularly the skiing and snowboard industry, mm-hmm. um, so whether it is working with the certifying body for mm-hmm. skiing and snowboard instructors, yeah, uh, working closely with them on their educational and certification processes. Yeah. Uh, so where are they located? Um, They are based out of Lakewood, but they have a lot of remote workers. Oh, good. Um, And then there are examiners, trainers across the country. Yeah. Uh, So they they serve eight regions in Mm. the United States um, that cover over 300 members, skiing, snowboard schools, snow sports schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they've got a large reach with that which is fantastic and cool. then uh, cool. currently my advisor and i and a number of others are working on developing a snow sports education certificate uh, out of penn state cool. uh, which cool. would be on their world campus um remote program yeah yep. and any student whether penn state or not could come into this program and take snow sports education specific courses wow. um, or work on a nine unit uh, plan to get a certificate at varying levels of certification so we are excited to get that going all uh,
0: integrated with that inspirational uh learning component from your dissertation uh, i need to take that myself uh so uh i need to i can't wait to can't wait to read uh read what you uh what you find out there so let's um let's end with this you know um Josh, one of the things in early in my career at Cal Poly, uh, I was kind of amazed at how few of our students went on to graduate school um, because I knew h- what high caliber students we had, you know, that that come through Cal Poly, academically oriented, um, you know, really top notch students. Um, but over the last 10 to 20 years, we've had a number that have... Um, uh, it feels like we revert we've we've changed that course, and we have a lot that are choosing graduate school. Um, so, you know, when you look back and you think about your experience, um is there um do you have any advice you would give um to those uh, recent graduates or students or young professionals who are considering graduate
1: school? Absolutely. Uh, and the first being that professional life experience, between undergrad and grad school has been extremely beneficial for me. Huge. Yeah. Um, that pause in between undergrad and grad school allowed me the time to satisfy some personal goals, get some exploration going, mm-hmm. uh, learn about my strengths, learn about my weaknesses. I really really bring my strengths to the top mm-hmm. and figure out how I can continue to um, accentuate and emphasize those strengths. Mm -hmm. Um so with that being on the the learning aspects, the education front, um, that led me back into grad school because I wanted to do both. I wanted to learn and I want to to teach. Yeah. Um and going into grad school, whether it's for a master's or a PhD, I think having a master's in leisure studies or any recreation um, or experiential field Mm -hmm. is valuable. And especially moving forward, having these personal connections um, at any level Mm -hmm. in leisure services, recreation services, is something that can never be replaced. Uh, I think of the conversations that go around AI or computerized, and the the personal connection, the cultural connection, the community connection is something that we can't replicate. Yeah. Um, So whether it's having a master's and becoming stronger in The management side or the PR side or the advertising side or the education side, like I took, Um, it will provide you with these extra skills um, that make you stand out in the field. And with that is also keeping the combination of your professional experience, uh, because education, when applied, is very valuable. But when it's not applied, it's just education. That's right, one hundred percent. I could
0: not agree more on um, a number of those points. You know, first of all, the um, the the taking um, going out into the career world, and and you know. That lived experience, that work experience before you start a graduate program, I I think is is the best model because um, particularly for people who aren't sure what they want to do, right? You know, I mean, you kind of have to get your feet wet out there. Um, And even if you do know what you want to do, you know, getting your feet wet, you might change your mind, right? And so um, I I think those who rush into a graduate program sometimes... um, that's not the best model. Um, now, obviously some people do it for, for different reasons, whether, you know, the global pandemic, for example, a lot of, a lot of students went straight to straight to graduate programs through that. But, you know, you brought up another thing that I think is really, really important, Josh, that I want to, um, that I want to just touch on with AI. Uh, Coming on board, I I think there are some people who have this mentality of, well, what's the use? Computers are going to do it for us anyway. Well, that to me says that you lack a fundamental understanding of what large language models are fed by, right? Large language models are fed by good quality research, good quality thinking that comes from our noggins. And if we just sit back and let computers run things, that's that we're not going to progress as a society, right? You know, we're just not. Um, we're the ones that push the large language models to be able to be smarter. And, um, and so I think that's a really important piece that a lot of people are missing in this whole thing, right? We don't sit back and just let an AI bot do it for us because if we do, we're not going to evolve as a society. Yes, we can use them in certain situations to make our lives easier and to make thing processes more, um, you know, more complete or more thorough or whatever. But if we're not pushing the envelope. Um, to do things like discover what inspiration means in a teaching environment, right? Then we're 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 going to meet the status quo, and the status quo we all uh, I think we can all agree is is not going to get us uh, evolving as a society. So I thank you for that. You you helped um unlock a couple of things for me today Josh and you know one of the things I just think back and and uh I look I I look at you and I hear you talk and I'm like oh man I remember when I was in your shoes and you know um uh, just embarking on a career and 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 I know from from personal experience with you that you were always wanting to learn more. And that that fervor for wanting to learn more and 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 being curious is a huge element that I know is going to continue to propel you. And I hope you will stay in touch. I hope we can um I hope we can get together and do some things in the future together. Um, know that I'm always here for you, and uh, just really appreciate you coming on
1: today. Hey, I appreciate having this opportunity, and it was a blast to connect. Absolutely, I can't wait to get up to Mammoth Lakes. Let me know when you're here, please.
0: All right, all right. I will take care, Josh. Great to see you. Bye, guys. See ya.